You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. What's up to our Electric People? We are back again. We are sitting with Rich Accorier, franchise member, West Coast. East LA leader. What's up, Rich? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. You even got the name on the shirt today. Yes, sir. It's a custom shirt, Adam. Like you don't that. just yeah. get those. No, you have to earn that. Yeah. Yes. You gotta earn that shirt. That's yes. a megawatt millionaire shirt. If you're not a franchise member and you're rolling around with your name on your shirt, <laughs> not cool. <laughs> not not cool. as cool at all. That's right. Franchise, it's just like, oh, of course he has the yeah. name on his shirt. That's right. You know. Well, I wanna say it's a pleasure to be here, so thank you guys. Well, thank you. Yeah. We were warned before we started recording of the thing that I perhaps like most about Rich. The man speaks slow, right? Molasses. Like molasses. 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 I always say, though, just hanging out with Rich, it just calms me down a little bit, man. He's like, hey, I got a leadership issue. I'm like, it doesn't sound like an issue. It sounds like everything is just fine. Just fine, yeah. You know? Well, I'm excited to tell your story, man. Thanks for yeah. being here today. I've enjoyed working with you over the last couple of years. Likewise. You have a different background than, than some of our guests. So you were born in Nigeria. Correct. And lived there for a long four months. Yep. But, Got kind uh, of tired of it. Yeah, tell, tell kind of your story. Tell your background on where you came from and, and how it is that you came over here and got associated with all of us in this crazy world. Yeah, that's, uh, we can start there. Um, left Nigeria with my mom when I was four months um, to Houston, Texas, where I was raised, where my family, the rest of my family came after. How do you choose Houston from Nigeria? I'm always, when people like immigrate from other countries, I'm like, how'd you wind up in Houston? Mm -hmm. so Did nobody tell you guys how hot it is in Houston? Here's the problem, I was a baby. I mean, have you so been I to told Nigeria? them. <laughs> no, I but I probably, I probably wind up in the wrong city if I just <laughs> I'm went assuming to Nigeria. Nigeria is hotter than Houston though. Yeah, they're both pretty hot, it's just okay. different hots. But yeah, I told them I'm ready to go, um, four months old. Packed but up then I went to a place that was even hotter, so yeah. it was a bad decision. There but it is. I was a baby, so um, after uh, Houston, actually being raised there, um, went to law school in Phoenix for about three years. Another bad decision because it's even hotter there. Yeah. Um, got a different kind of hot. Different again. kind of hot. Yeah. Um, so I was there a few years, graduated, um, and then came out to LA. 2010, the height of the recession. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you need like a travel and like a geography consultant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of hiring attorneys, there were firing attorneys. So it was tough. Um, I took the bar a few times, didn't pass, maybe even four times. Mm. Um, and is that what you always wanted to do, is be a lawyer? Or is that just what you were doing because you felt like that would be a good career and Successful people are lawyers. I always want to get into business and the back end of business. So it was always a catalyst for me to get into business and understand the logistics. Um, so understood like the structure, the <coughs> legal part. But then I got into a nonprofit and we had to canvas there. Um, mm. We actually um, were fundraising for like um, save the turtles, ban plastic bags. Yeah, I'm always telling people to save <laughs> I'll snatch a plastic straw right out of your mouth, dude. Save yeah. the turtles. <laughs> um, we also did some cool things like non-GMO fund funding for um, agribusinesses and try to fund for organic farms. So pretty cool initiatives um, to where we'd fundraise, again, Canvas style. Um, and then after that, found a job with a company doing energy efficient home remodeling and so this is in LA this is in LA mm -hmm. and so I found some um, little love for solar there 10% of our product offering was solar the mm. rest was energy again efficient home remodeling with like roofs and insulation would you use like grants and stuff to cover the cost of it, it was one of those things. there's uh, there were some grants associated with it yes mm. uh, but most it was pretty aggressive in home just consulting uh, where now with this product with solar it's just more organic kind of takeaways and hey this option is not for everybody we can't approve everybody so 
Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the Vivint Solar things, you were telling us where the phrase, it takes a village, come from. And I <laughs> like this story. <laughs> Tell me about Uncle Frank and it, and it taking a village. So um, we had in our, in Houston, a group of uh, Nigerians after church, we'd meet and congregate. And so kids, we already had like a four-hour-long church service. Then we went to another community service. It was like a social thing or is like it was another a social like thing. church meeting? Yeah, it was a social thing, but with more church uh, associated with okay. it. Um, but you're eating so and Sundays running around. Sunday is Sunday's an all-day church. And mind you, I'm a pastor's kid. So throughout the week, I'm at church four to five days a week. So it's a lot of church going on. Um, with that said, you get kind of antsy as a kid doing all that churching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so kids will run around. They're tired. They're ready to play. You know, they've been in church, uh, Sunday school all day. Yeah. So there's this figure, and he wasn't a big figure. He was, again, like 5'5", five, five, um, maybe had a Napoleon complex, but he was an authority figure, just regulating on kids, slapping kids, <laughs> pulling out his belt. Other people's kids. Yeah, other people's kids. He was just a... Yeah, he was just, he was a, a menace uh, in his own right. But uh, to his credit, it was good because within that, um, we respected adults um, who were not our parents mm -hmm. um, because we knew other people can, you know, come in and give us advice or whatever. Yeah, that's something that's changed, man. I don't know if yeah. all old people say that the younger generation is like this, but I yeah. see it because I, I line up in like the, the surf lineup with little kids sometimes, and it's like you try to correct those kids, and they'll just like embarrass you in front of their friends. It's like they need to have an Uncle Frank on the water yeah. that will reach out and slap no. them. There's no more <laughs> Uncle Frank. <laughs> I mean, no there, there might be Uncle Franks out there. They're getting <laughs> We're put not in their doing place real they are. quick. They are. <laughs> Um, but when I talk to a lot of the demographics we talk to, or older people, geriatrics, um, it is interesting to see the shift in the culture um, from being able to have a community and have people interject when maybe you don't like it, mm -hmm. but it may be helpful. Um, and that's almost something that kind of translates to where I've realized Vivint is a great culture, and we have people interject and say, hey, you need to get on top of this. And like people in the office and on the team yeah. and in that community. Yeah, I think Joe's the new Uncle Frank. Joe, Joe Ruppel? <laughs> yeah, Joe Shout Ruppel. out to Joe Ruppel, dude. He'll yeah, catch you with the back fist. <laughs> shout out to East L.A. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to have a dynamic of people checking you, people letting you know you can do better. Um, Another guy from the East Coast, we got uh, OGB. Um, he checked me in a good way because I was doing okay my first year. Uh, he came in, um, did four ACs one day. And that shocked me because I didn't know that was capable or possible. And so I had, knew I had to step up. It was a challenge for me to get better because uh, I was stagnant. It was a new office. There was a lot of inspiration around mm -hmm. us. So to see that energy and to see the potential right there that if he can do it, um, no issue. I just need to try harder. And after that, probably like three to six months later, I hit franchise. Yeah, I want to talk about that because <coughs> that was a real pivotal part in your career. Um, but the interesting thing for me is usually somebody of your, I mean, for a franchise member, usually those people are on our recruiting lists, right? Like usually for like a Rich Accordion or something <laughs> like that, you're on somebody's list somewhere and they're calling one of us saying, hey, if we could get this guy, he would crush it. And there's usually, <laughs> usually people that make it to the, the sales level that you're at. Again, they have uh, contacts, um, backstory, past performance, and some other kind of direct sales or whatever. But maybe talk about how we found you because it was very unconventional how you came to rise through the ranks. Yeah, I came out of nowhere. Um, I, a year before, I took, transition out of the home improvement uh, company um, and was with the tech company for a year. Um, learned a lot with that, was 
in the business development sales side, but there was no product really to sell. Mm -hmm. uh, left that, it was a good tech company. Left that and came to Vivint just from just researching solar companies out there. So you just like jumped on your computer and said, what's going on in solar? What's going on in solar? Um, Did you know about the earning potential, any kind of thing like that? or No, just, just trying to figure out. I was only going to give Vivint a year. Stop. Um, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like, a year. You, can you imagine like yeah. where you could have ended up, first of all, but just happened to stumble upon the opportunity? Because with it what was you earn now, like yeah. that's crazy that you just Googled well, you know, what's up um, with solar. Jennifer Raft was the same way. Oh, really? So, she was, so Jennifer Raft was, she had the combine record for about a year and um, out in Connecticut. And that's how she found us was just Googling solar companies. Yeah. She'd moved to Connecticut and... Wow. She just rocked, and when our manager there almost didn't hire her because she, she thought she was too quiet. Wow. So crazy. Well, Amber yeah. definitely wanted to hire me because I came in, I forgot to print out my resume, and I printed it out the Vivint office, and it was like like a poster ended up being like, <laughs> like a Your resume 10 by was, 10. It was like, <laughs> like on a 12 by 10. It was on the, it was on the permit <laughs> 12 Yeah, exactly, on the permit packet. Yeah, so it was huge. So in like 19 font? Yeah, so. Ian does a scroll. Yeah. Um, but I actually think I remember that. Like, it's this like massive resume. Yeah, it, w it was pretty interesting from day one. Um, again, I was trying to figure it out, and then the office, it was a new office, there was probably like 10 guys besides myself. Mm -hmm. And now what, there's probably like 60 guys mm -hmm. in East LA, so it's amazing to see. So you looked it up went. and then called the number and got in touch with Amber, or did Amber contact you? I probably... Because I thought it was through like an Indeed or something Dave, like that. Yeah, it? Dave, not even Indeed, maybe Craigslist. Oh, really? Yeah, I went grimy with it. I wow. was like, Craigslist been grimy. With it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Diamond in the rough, man. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you can imagine, like, a lot of, like, we get a lot of uh, people wanting jobs from Craigslist, and yeah. not all of them. And so it's, it was funny because had I known the potential and stuff like that, I mean, usually, again, it's like, okay, I want to meet you, I want to bring you in, I want to, like, make sure that you have all the resources. But I actually wasn't aware of Rich Accordia's potential until he started just smashing, and then it was like, oh, shift focus. How long did it Look take you before you started really, the light bulb moment where you started really taking off? Uh, I mean, the first quarter I was pretty obsessed with the potential. Um, and so I think the first quarter I got like 17 permits submitted but only five installed because in that jurisdiction, in that jurisdiction, there was permitting issues, uh, non-permitted, whatever. And so that was frustrating and that slowed down my growth. And um, I didn't know whether to stay in that area, go to another area. Um, and then eventually again, just <coughs> being around the right leadership kind of helped propel that growth. Yeah, it's funny to see because I remember when you got your site set on franchise. So the league was developing because you've been here what about two years, almost two years. Mm -hmm. So the league's really a year old in its like full uh, rollout as a program, right? So I remember when we were looking at this, and Rich was like, "Hey, what's up with franchise? Like the highest sales level that we can earn. What's up with franchise?" And we kind of broke down and said, "Okay, this is this is what's possible. This is the weekly rhythm." And then I just kind of didn't see him for a while, and I just noticed the numbers, like, boom, boom, boom. The email's trying to push accounts and stuff. And it was crazy to me, like, from an outsider, is once you set your mind on it, fast forward, you had it. But it almost seemed like you went underwater. You came up every now and then to look at, like, okay, where am I at? And then you went back underwater to get it done. So why was franchise so important, and how did you do it? Because we get a lot of people that say, I'm going to hit franchise, but obviously very few people do it. I was franchised, so, so I didn't even know until halfway through that I was on pace to hit franchise. Uh, and then Nick told me, and he was like, dude, if you just stay consistent, you're on the road. Nick Howard. Nick Howard, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, I kept my head down. That was the main thing. I didn't look at my checks. I didn't look at uh, anything but what I can control were my hours working six to eight hours a day in the heat or whatever. And more so like just getting two welcome calls a week or three, you know, just keeping that rhythm. Um, and then whatever else was going on, uh, just trying to stay, ad adapt to it 
because there was a lot with the changes in the pay scale and whatever, mm -hmm. and just trying to stay focused two or three welcome calls a week. Yeah. Um, so, you do anything particular to eliminate distractions? That's one of the hardest parts of our job is people get stuff comes up. You know what I mean? That didn't seem to happen to you. Maybe it did, and you just didn't show it. Yeah, so I'm weird. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't really get, when I have a focus, I usually don't have a focus on things because I'm kind of ADHD, but when I have a focus, I'm pretty laser uh, into it. And so this, besides law school, besides a couple other things in my mind, was a focus I could get on board with. And I didn't think of anything else but just getting those numbers in. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. So I've noticed a couple things. We don't know each other all that well. Um, Nick Coward was a guy that um, worked in one of my teams yeah. way back in the day. Um, love Nick. Uh, I've noticed you got, you got a certain kind of swag and confidence to you. Um, I was actually gonna comment on your shoes and then you got the off-whites. Yeah. Um, Mark Toon on the East Coast, he, um, he's like a big time sneakerhead. He gave, have I told you this story, how he gave me a pair of off-whites? Uh -huh. So Mark gave me a oh pair of, now mind you, I'm old, like I don't, I don't even know what off-whites are, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Mark gives me a pair of off-whites a um, couple months ago. Wow. And they were the, um, like the Vapor Max. Nice. Whatever. Yeah. So I take them out of the box and they got this big red tag on them. Yeah. Like the big red <laughs> tag. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not. And I was just like, oh, I guess I'll wear these to the gym today. And uh, so the first thing is, Mark was like, you don't, like, these aren't shoes you wear to the gym. Today. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like I'm, like, I'm like, oh, these will, the I'm like, these will, I'm like, I guess I'll just wear these to the Please gym. Please tell today. me you didn't cut the tag. So then I like take them out of the box. And I'm like, I'm not rolling around the gym with this stupid red tag on yeah. the shoe. So I literally just scissors. Stop cut, it. No, you didn't. No, cut you it didn't. right no, off. No, you didn't. Yep. Oh, oh my God! Cut, gone. Chucked That's it in the garbage. You're on some like sneaker fail website. I right chucked now it in the like, garbage, and wow. then I go to the gym and I take a picture of my shoes from the mirror and send it to Mark. I'm like, dude, these shoes are sick. And he calls me immediately, and he's like, "Where's the tag?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? I just cut it off, and like I'm not gonna wear the red tag to the gym, you know?" Yeah. And then wow. he's like, "What?" And then um, and then he's like, "And then yeah, you don't wear these to the gym." You know, That's so funny. anyway. It's a big price drop. You could probably resell those for a decent amount. I mean, right who's reselling those shoes? Yeah. Uh, but um, the other thing that I just wanted to comment on is your demeanor is very calm. And uh, I think there's a My stigma. girlfriend hates it. Now. <laughs> she tries to get you all worked up. And yeah. Now fiance, by ready. the way. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. You got a date yet? 10-10. 10 Yeah. 10, 10, 20, she knew 20. before I knew, so okay. yeah. But you're, you're, you're just following her. <laughs> yeah, path. exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's a stigma with sales guys that they're like high energy and like you know they fast talk and this that whatever. Um, I've always been intrigued that in door to door, especially, a lot of times our best salesmen are very calm and even slow talkers. And I I'm kind of that same way as well. Like I tend to talk really slow. Uh, do you feel like that has helped you with just the job and kind of controlling the emotional roller coaster of this job? And, and uh, I guess, how do you feel like it's helped you? Yeah, the job and life. Um, there's talked to a couple reps Monday and it was like ebbs and flows. They're starting off, they started off well and now it's a new year and they don't know who they think they are. And I'm mm -hmm. just reminding them you are who the same person who hit the five and five in a week. Um, just have the same confidence and just stay consistent. That if you put in the hours, the job always rewards you. And when you when you sorry to interrupt you, when you hit a door, do you change your speed, your voice inflection, all that kind of stuff, or do you just kind of just keep that same smooth, calm demeanor throughout the cell? Yeah, I try to be conscious and be as patient as possible because. I want the homeowner to vent. I already can assume they're gonna vent whatever the frustrations they have of what's going on in their life or what's going on what they what they think they know about solar. Mm -hmm. I want them to talk before I talk. So I might talk real low. Um, they might not hear me, and so they have to come out and meet me where I'm at. 
And so it's almost psychological to where um, we're starting to get engaged. And I want them to speak more than I speak so I can get some information from them. I think a lot of guys, there's a lot of people out there too that might be thinking, I might not be good at sales. Like I don't have the big, you know, boisterous personality or whatever. But again, I think some of our best sales guys are the very just calm, subdued personalities. So I guess what would your advice be to some of the people with similar personalities to you that maybe aren't feeling like sales could be for them? Because at the end of the day, it's, is it just a confidence issue, no matter what your demeanor's like? Or I guess, what's the X factor that makes you so good? This job, uh, you, you have to be very patient. And uh, with everything that's going on externally, with uh, the structure, the corporate, whatever's going on with your family, you have to balance a lot. So you have to be in the moment and just be patient in the moment. I have to give a shout out to my dad. He's, again, a pastor, and he deals with a lot of people and their issues. So I kind of just subconsciously gained a lot of his personality. And him counseling people, he stays pretty steadfast. He doesn't get uh, mad or aggressive. He's calm in whatever scenario he's in. So it's that demeanor will get you through a lot of things where emotions say you should act like this you should um, get mad but if you can control that emotion and get through it again it, whatever somebody's projecting is not really uh, your issue it might just be them going through something so, so a lot of times I've seen that the homeowner events and then I'm able to be patient and then speak uh, and it's kind of a boxing match like that where they're trying to hit me with their frustrations but if I duck or dodge it and I'm able to at least get out what I need to say and say what I'm here for then they're more receptive because they are finally aware that okay this guy's not here to fight me he's here to help me. Mm. Jeremy Marshall do you know Vern? Have you met Vern Marshall before? Long time at uh, XL he helps run the Riverside office but I remember one time he told me um, he had all these reps and the reps would get these objections and they try to overcome all these objections. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you know what I've noticed? He's like, people just want to tell you. Yeah. They don't necessarily want you to solve it. Yeah. They just want to tell you. So 100%. for example, if someone's like, you're the fifth guy that's come by here, it's not, oh yeah, I'm sorry. It's more like, okay, yeah, cool. Anyways, this is what we're, and you just yeah. move right through it. But I think, I think you said something really interesting um, a couple minutes ago where you said you want the customer to speak more than you speak. Mm -hmm. I think it's really common in direct sales. I know I was guilty of this when I sold alarms. I almost felt like, and if anybody else feels the same way, if I stop talking, you're gonna say no. And that's a really common thing. I don't know if you deal with that, but a lot of reps believe if they stop talking, that will give the customer enough time to fit a no in. If the customer's gonna say no, they're gonna say no whether you say a lot before or after. So I actually really appreciate that. I think that's a good philosophy because in order for a customer to progress, they have to connect. And I think your ability to be yourself on doors and things like that, it helps people connect. Would you agree with that? Yeah, um, I need the no's. I need them to have the rejections. That lets me know that they're interested in some form or fashion. And again, going to the like boxing analogy, like you get, you're gonna have to get hit in the face um, and those no's are the punches. They're exhausting themselves when they're telling you all their objections. Body shots. Body shots. Uh, at first they hurt because you need to know how to deal with them. But once you start putting your guard up, you know, okay, those, that's not really a big issue. It's a smoke screen. So I'm ready for a counter, you know. Uh, and then eventually once they exhaust all their objections, I mean, I'm going in to just close the deal and I can be calm. I can just get through 10. 11th, 12th round, and not only do the AC, but do the welcome call too, mm -hmm. because they're patient now. You do a lot, a lot of your content is based on boxing, I always like it. Yeah. So that, that <laughs> one you just did, I, I was unfamiliar with, but it's true, like initially, when you get hit, it hurts. Yeah. After you've trained, you learn how to hold yourself and get around it and you develop that, but. Take the punches. Yeah, talk about, uh, you did a training for us on the West Coast, uh, with the Mike Tyson quote. Maybe talk about that <laughs> asset of it. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, this job, you get hit in the face over and over, and it never stops. So the quote was Mike Tyson's, everybody has a plan to they get punched in the face. So one of the greatest box of our times, um, he's successful because he doesn't get punched in the face, Floyd Mayweather. Um, so I've learned to not be really offensive with the homeowners, but more defensive and more um, patient, again, with what they're trying to tell me and understand it versus me trying to get my point across, Yeah, you know? So if I'm aware of what they're trying to say, I can do my job a little better. There's the, um, the famous quote from the play Hamilton, the talk less, smile more. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think a really common mistake new sales reps make is over-talking during oh, a absolutely. sale, right? Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things to do is when the homeowner's giving you their usage or whatever, and you gotta type it in, you gotta type in it each month. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's okay for there to be complete silence Absolutely. during that time. And just say, hey, it's gonna take me a minute to plug in your info real quick, and you just plug it in or you have them read it to you. And I think what happens is when a homeowner sees that you're not panicking and always trying to keep combo going, I think it actually projects confidence too with homeowners. Like, wow, he's so comfortable or she's so comfortable. They're just like, parking on my kitchen table yeah. and just making themselves that, yeah. at home. Because <laughs> your normal interaction with friends, you're not always talking. Yeah. There's there's dead space when oh, you're yeah. with your best friends. Um, and you think about this, I would say the people who are your best friends, there's hours that you have spent together and not said a thing with, right? And so a sale is like this microcosm of a, of a relationship. And it's okay to have that dead space during a sale. You don't always have to fill the dead space. So Sometimes it's necessary because it allows the homeowner to think about more objections. Mm -hmm. Again, I want them to hit me as much as possible in that moment because if they don't, after the fact, they're going to cancel and hit me with objections. Mm -hmm. And, and I haymaker while your head's turning. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not going to be in the same ring to really control the objections. If I'm there with them in the ring, I can have more control, corner them, counter punch, whatever. When you, you can always, um, I like to ask them questions to get them to come up with the concerns. So it's like, you know, one of the main concerns is what happens when I move. Mm -hmm. So I'll always just say, you know, so hey, how long have you guys lived here for? That's cool. You guys plan on staying here for a while? And they're like, oh, we're not really sure. And I'm like, that's cool. And I'll just keep doing. And I know that those two little questions are going to make them ask me, yeah, so what happens if we move? You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, it's a good question. <laughs> you know, and then you sit and talk to it, right? So. Yeah. Well, I think Mayweather's a good example, too, because, you know, what he's known for is he's, he's strong. Yeah. And he's conditioned, and so he can go the early rounds. But he's not all that fun to watch in the first couple he's rounds. Not. I hate watching Mayweather but, fights. Yeah, but he almost doesn't know what to throw until he feels you out, until he yeah. knows what you are. And, and, you know, if you come out swinging, right, that's what a lot of sales reps do is they come out so hot and trying to say these one-liners, but they don't know if they're going to work. If you're calm and let them talk like both of you guys are saying, mm. they're going to tell you how to sell them, right? They're going to tell you, and then your words can be more impactful. Because I, I remember when Floyd fought Connor, which, Connor McGregor, which went on longer than I thought it would. I think everybody That's was in agreement. Yeah. Yep. But he kind of dealt with it, dealt with it, dealt with it, and then when it was time to work, he's like, and put you down, right? Yeah. But it's the same thing. I think if you're patient, let them talk. And I really get that from you. That's something that I've learned actually through watching you because I, I would say that I'm calmer when I sell than I normally am, but you're extreme on that end, so it helps me see it just a little bit more, where it's like you don't, you don't have the insecurity of, if I stop talking, you're gonna cancel. It, you don't have the insecurity of, if you bring up a concern, it's not saying no, and so you can just, you can just connect and, for clarity, and roll right? with it. Yeah. Well, and our, I mean, we're all professional problem solvers, so we're just trying to figure out all the problems you have. I mean, you do that well anytime DMs come up to you with problems. Uh, I've seen the same energy in you. You are like, okay, Sometimes that's not a bad problem, what you're saying to me. You don't think all problems are bad problems. You're just figuring out, hey, are they venting? Or hey, are they looking for a solution? And then you figure out what you need to do with it. Mm -hmm. But I don't ever see you react to where it's like, okay, you're coming at me wrong. You're like, hey, okay, let's figure out what 
this is. That's because you didn't know me five years ago. <laughs> Had you known me five years ago, you'd know all those mistakes. Um, you only get hit so many times before yeah. you start figuring out, hey, I need to move or else it's yeah. going to keep happening. 100%. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting um, that we see commonly in leaders is you've been a tremendous salesperson and you've adapted to the culture really well. You're in a different chapter now. Uh, you're in a leadership chapter. So we, we've seen, hey, you know, Rich is an example in this group. You're a really high <laughs> producer. It's what the group needed. But now you're using a different skill and you're managing a team that has 60 plus people yeah. in it that's in a flagship division. I mean, you guys just did uh, 200 installs around there this last quarter, Yeah. Um, which is big. You're to the point now where you're running a business that's pretty successful. One of the things before we talk about your philosophy on that now that I appreciated before is even before you were a manager, you were doing manager stuff. I remember you would like pick one or two people that you thought had potential and you'd take them to Chick-fil-A or you'd mentor them or maybe talk about that. Maybe talk about why you did that because I didn't ask you to and what that's done for your career now. Well, a lot of, again, it's the energy around me. The vivid solar culture breeds like problem solving and breeds people to motivate other people. We want other people to do well. And like, again, when OGB came, even though he didn't direct me, his, his numbers inspired me. So if I can inspire somebody directly and even push them a little bit more, um, it's exciting. And with that said, one of the people I put some energy into, uh, Spring, wow, like this week she did 10 already, yeah, 10 ACs, five is, welcome How old calls. is Spring? Maybe 26, 27. Yeah, she's a, she's a female salesperson. As far as I know, no, no background in sales. And when, when she first started, Rich was the one that saw the potential in her. And I remember hearing about Spring through mm. Rich. Anyway, sorry, yeah, she's a great example. She, so I just want people to meet their max potential or even half of that because going through even things like law school and um, things like the bar exam, I didn't have people to get me to where I need to be to where I could get better instead of a C law student, A law student, or pass the bar. I didn't have that little extra 10% push mm -hmm. Uh, from anybody so if I can push anybody with whatever energy or insight I have so they don't have to fail as much or hit, get hit in the face as much I'm gonna do that so yeah. well it's one of the best things you did for your career because I remember in one of our interviews you're like well I've been picking a couple reps a quarter and I'll take them to lunch and I'll talk with them and I'll help them and now when I look at it you're a significant equity holder in that team right there's, there's always this underlying theme because we get asked a lot, hey, how, how do I get promoted? How, what's the next step? But you never asked me that. You just did those things. And eventually when we go to the table and say, okay, let's look at the owners of this, this franchise, it's got to be rich. He's doing it, right? He's adding the value. It's, it's, it's unmistakable in there. So now you're, you run a squad on that team. How, how many people are on your squad now? Uh, last quarter it was 16. So I think it's like 12 now because we had another... Uh, DM, but I mean, it's the same philosophy, just trying to see everybody's potential, trying to figure out their nuances, their insecurities, and let them know they're capable. Mm -hmm. um, one of the big things this past year that helped me with leadership was David Goggins' book, yeah. Can't Hurt Me. And that, that was huge because it strikes me as odd that you identify with that book because Goggins is a thousand percent this direction. Oh, with energy? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like... Yeah, but it's the same principle. His principle is like, it's almost pain threshold. Um, and again, going with the fighting analogy, it's just how much pain can you endure? How much frustration? And with this job, as a rep, you deal with a lot, but then adding the DM position, it's a lot. So... That philosophy helped me know that I had more potential and I could put more on my plate and I just had to tough it up, so. What challenges are you dealing with now that are different? What's the hardest part of your new role? Um, just more meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I like action. Um, I, like the, I like experience and so 
meetings are a little bit, it tests my patience because I'm so antsy and I want to be interactive in some sense. And it's just maybe just information overload yeah. at times. I think that's okay though. I think it's yeah. okay to look at meetings every now and then yeah. and say, why are we doing this? Yeah. Is this helping I feel anybody? Like you're that way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, and you'll notice every now and then, like on our tribe schedule, we shake it up and we'll stop doing certain calls because, and it's helpful because I have a lot of people around me that I feel like will tell me the truth. And it's really helpful because they'll say, hey, do we have to do this meeting? And like when yeah. you start, I feel like a lot of people, when you start hearing that, they start being like, no, you need to listen and it's important rather than, why are we doing this meeting? Yeah. Is this helping anybody in the room? And if it is, we keep doing it. And if it's not, we change it. So some degree of that. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be disrespectful. So it's, but it's like A-B testing. Some meetings you'll see work, some don't. So I'm figuring out, especially with the DM role, which ones do and which ones, I don't want to say deserve my time, but which ones I can say, hey, let's try to do this a little different. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting confidence into what we need to do more of yeah. and less of, in a sense. Well, you're, you're different, too, than a lot of the reps because... It, that's one of the challenges in leadership is understanding what motivates, like what you're doing with Spring and some of those people. Because some guys, you look at a team and you're like, wow, you haven't produced for who knows how, why do you still come to this meeting? But they need the association, they need the connection, they need the, the community like you were talking yeah. about. You, correct me if I'm wrong, you were producing before any of that, right? Like you started maybe bringing that a little bit, but I think it's really important also to understand like, okay, Maybe I don't need this as much, but you do need this. So that's that's the challenge. You're always you're always adopting the program for what people need. Yeah, it's balancing everything and seeing what fine tunes me and um, what I know has worked for me, and just adding that little marginal um, thing that gets me better mm -hmm. and being open-minded to it. This this job, you just have to adapt to all the good and bad and ugly and the frustrating and just see what frustrating thing can get you better. Um, with that said, that's kind of why, even though I added the DM role, I added more stress to my plate with that stupid triathlon. I was going to talk about that. <laughs> so I was going to talk are, about well, that. Before we get into that, yeah. um, how old are you, by the way? Uh, guess. I want you to guess. No. You know we don't I want play you to guess. This, this is a customer thing. Every game. customer that asks, you're like, Nope. Yeah, I'm gonna say like twenty nine. That's close. That's actually pretty close. How old? Thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. Right. So when you say close, you are mean you single, like or really <laughs> single or married? Uh, engaged. Engaged. Just got engaged. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you've been single the last couple of years, though. Yeah. So uh, what I'm getting at is, um, I would say, the majority of our sales force are probably single men in their mid twenties to early thirties, and. Um, I think one of the single biggest distractions that that demographic has just in general is the discipline of a schedule. And so, um, and then just routine and daily habits and, and there's a lot of distractions out there, right? There's going out on the weekends, there's going out on Friday nights, there's going out on weeknights even, there's drinking and everything else that you do when you're a single dude in your mid, you know, late 20s, early 30s, whatever. So, um, so are you a big schedule guy? Are you, um, you know, what kind of habits did you do when you started being successful at the job? Or maybe what are some of the things that you had to realize you had to give up in order to be successful at this job and start developing those types of disciplines and habits and everything else that comes along with where you're at right now? Yeah, I'm obsessed with my calendar, for sure. Like the calendar, it helps me think less because I, I wouldn't go into so many appointments it tells me I have to be out there. Uh, even if the appointments are like soft appointments, uh, I just still have to be out there. I'll double book appointments just to know I'm kind of busy. Um, but that and I kind of saw again with this gold rush mentality and the opportunity, us being, what is it like, what we're in the energy industry, maybe 5% market share? Yeah, it's going up. Yeah, and in, in the next day, maybe 15 to 20% knowing that it can triple, I have to just be present. And all those things I have to set aside because they're not worth it. Another thing, fantasy sports. Like that, I had to like leave out of my schedule. I had 
three. You were talking about this. Football, football basketball. Like you were big. It's in not fantasy? being even big on it. It's just friends and hey, join this and do well, it's that. It's an easy way to keep in contact with friends and yeah. that kind of stuff too. But it's really distracting. Oh my gosh, it's so time consuming. Mm-hmm. So I had to. I think it was right <coughs> when I started Vivid. I was like, I have to get out of these, um, and that afforded me more time to focus. Um, Dude, I've been in a couple fantasy groups. I don't know why I get invited, but I've secured a couple <laughs> invites in my life. And uh, I learned early on that the computer will pick the statistical best choice, yeah. which is better than your emotional best choice right, right. with your biases and stuff. Yeah. And I've played like whole seasons where I like yeah. lost my login and finished like fourth out of ten because, but everyone's mad because the computer takes the full five minutes <laughs> to pick it because yeah. I'm not on the draft. But um, it is, it is those little tiny things that slowly pick away at you, and you might not notice it at the time. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're like, man, it's not that I spent an hour on this, but my attention was divided mm-hmm. for that part of the day. I find the same thing with TV. I, my wife and I usually like watch one show a quarter, and um, we just haven't been doing that lately. And it's, it's crazy, because I don't feel like I spend a lot of time on it, but when you just say, you know what, I'm not doing the TV thing, mm-hmm. how much more presence and attention and time and stuff like that you have mm. yeah let's talk about development outside of work because I know this about you we're similar in this way that you always take on something you got <laughs> yoga you've got spin <laughs> I love yoga. and we just did a yeah does that a surprise that he loves yoga you get in those hot sure. rooms get stretched out yeah, yoga's cool yeah I love I've it. never done I should I want to do yoga class with you let's do it at yeah. some point yeah um, but then we did this triathlon so it was funny I explain how you decided to sign <laughs> up was that at the invitation or did you just the triathlon yeah because I was traveling around to teams saying, hey, if anybody wants to race, and there was a handful of people that were like, I'll do it, and they stuck with it through the whole way. I think I thought about it after reading the David Goggins book. Mm. Um, that guy is insane. So I had already done a few marathons, and I needed something different. And maybe you guys were talking out about it lately, and I was like, maybe I'll do it. But then some just hit. And I was like, I got to start training for it. Um, and I like the discipline aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, having to wake up early. In this job, we have to be prepared mentally early. Um, so it helped me get little wins, but it helped me set a, a better schedule for myself to just be focused and sharp at an earlier time. Because I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just actually think of myself as being pretty lazy, um, super lethargic. If I could hibernate, I would hibernate a whole month. Um, <laughs> but with that said, it gave me a lot of more discipline than I thought I already had. So it was ideal to go through that extra struggle on top of the new DM role. And yeah trying to maintain franchise. It's so. funny that you've reached some of your accomplishments through you call laziness. You're like, well, I'm lazy, so I just set my schedule and follow everything that's in the schedule. Yeah. Well, I'm lazy, dude, so <laughs> I just said, <laughs> may as well do a triathlon. No, but yeah, dude, I, I know I'm lazy. Yeah. I've, often called, I've often called leading from the front lazy man's management, and it's weird because leading from the front takes determination and fortitude and all those things. Yeah. But if you want people to follow you, you can try to get really smart. You can yeah. try to have all these things. You can try to have these creative ideas. You could spend time connecting with people. But what lazy man's management in my head would be is, I'm just going to go beat these guys so badly yeah. and that's just going to be easier. But that's kind of what you One single focus. Yeah. It's actually the easiest way to gain influence, but it's also the hardest at the same but time. Yeah, you know? but principally it's easy. It's like, listen, you could try to be smart. You could try to be connected. You could try to be witty. You could try to be mm-hmm. you know, empathetic. But really, especially in this job, you have a lot of your influence for two reasons. Number one, you beat everybody so badly that you had something to offer. You really did. Like you have something to teach people because your performance is higher. The second thing you did is you took an interest in a couple of people, right? And then those people developed and now you have influence, right? And I, I feel like it's just funny that you say, well, I'm lazy, so I set a schedule. I'm like, man, if everybody well, just did that, you know the, what I mean? The trick, the trick to the, the long-term sustained influence is it's that recipe just rinse repeat every yeah. quarter so i'm lazy enough to know that i need to be efficient as much as possible and official with my time so i can only cal- allocate so much time into certain things and so when i 
do the calendar and they set my schedule, I'm not thinking. So the laziness turns off and the functionality turns on. So I'm book. in go mode. Like when you write a book someday that's going to be like a <laughs> developmental book, it's just going to be called Get Lazy. Seriously. You know? Because then it was like, this is interesting. The lazy yeah. man's way to success. Yeah, that's right, dude. Just get lazy and set a schedule. Just get lazy and be efficient. Just there's get that, lazy and there's have that other lazy. Do the I work. mean, there's that quote. Some I don't know if it was Bill Gates who said it. Some guys said it where it was like, if there's a couple guys out there um, who I want as like a manager or promotion, I want the lazy guy because he knows how to get from point A to point B uh, faster, more efficiently, as opposed to going through all the, I guess, logistics. Yeah. He'll find the loophole, yeah. essentially. All right, so. who actually said it? Though? No, I think he's right. I've heard that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just such a hard thing to say yeah. is give me the lazy one because what you're yeah. looking for is the efficient thinker. But no, dude, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real strategy to mental preservation, mm, and yes. you've nailed that. Like yes. we talk I'll about, I'll say that. Yeah. Energy, my energy. I know it can get depleted fast, so I know, like, if I'm dealing with this homeowner, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm really big on that, and you kind of touched upon it a couple of times. Well, it's that sales battery, right? That, so, yeah, exactly. And I learned yes. this from Eric Mealy, but everybody, everybody has a finite battery, just like you have on yes. your phone. And it will drain. And, yes. and there's certain things that drain your battery faster than others. Yep. And they are thinking too much, uh, guilt, not working when you're supposed to be working, arguing with customers or anybody in your relationships, mm -hmm. uh, doing the work that's not the right work. Yeah. So for you, when I look at it, I see a really mentally efficient person that says, think of how, many, how much time and energy is wasted on some reps' battery getting drained, deciding when they're going to go home. Mm-hmm. Oh man, okay, I got one, then I got this, and then should I go? Well, let me do this first, and then I'll go. You would look at it and be like, well, it's not eight. So I'll just keep working. And no decision, no mental drain, yeah. nothing like that. My calendar says I still got to go to this appointment, even though it's probably a trash appointment. <laughs> like, I still have to go. That's go. what happened yesterday, I got an AC. Like, I got to just show up. That's half the have battle. Have you heard Seinfeld's bit, the <laughs> I'm telling you for the last time bit? Have you heard it? It's like, it's this, this stand-up comedy thing that he did, but it's got all his good jokes in there. And he has this part in there where he's like, he's like, women, do you want to know what's on men's mind? I'll tell you. Have you heard this? Mm -hmm. And he goes, nothing. <laughs> That's like, that, but when you're selling, literally, like if you could go inside the head of the absolute most efficient people, for selling, if they're in a neighborhood, they're probably not, they're thinking, that guy's probably home. I guess I'll go there. Right? Yep, light or, on. I see a light. Yep. May as well go knock it. Light, yeah. Yep. Or, mm, okay, who's next? That's it. It's not, oh, man, what am I doing wrong? Oh, this is so frustrating. Oh, I got to get 10. Okay, remember that thing you read this morning? It's just, it's nothing. So it's kind of going back to your strategy of the uh, battery. There's uh, different homeowners out there, the early adopters, the middle adopters, and the late adopters. I'm looking for all early adopters who are ready to go. A lot of reps try to fight with the late adopter. I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. I'm not having that conversation You're turning those with people you, down. sir. Yeah, I'm like, and, and that's the beauty of the job. You get to say no, mm -hmm. you know, and you get to say, we probably can't even approve you, or I don't even want to deal with your energy in the future because you might be a terrible person to manage yeah, in the long run. So I'm pushing that to the side and trying to find somebody who's going to tell me to come in, bake me cookies, and uh, give me some lemonade. I want that homeowner. So. Well, really, so I think there's like this mental hurdle that people, especially that come from other industries that start doing our job with the door-to-door -door part of it, right? There's this like pride and ego thing yeah. that they have to get past. And I think it's because in their minds, you're doing like this substandard job. You're like a door-to-door -door salesman or whatever. And I always tell people like, you know, don't, don't be confrontational with people on the doors at all, but you also don't have to be a doormat. And what right. I mean by that is it's okay to tell people no. Like, and it's, and there's a lot that um, mentally it does for you if you actually walk away from somebody and you're like, you know what, like, I'm all set, I'm good with you. Um, you guys have a nice day, God bless. I'm gonna go talk to somebody who actually wants to save money. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, with your all set. And I'm all set. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all set. Yeah, I'm all set with you. If anyone's set here, 
It's, it's me. me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all set. That's right. So, but um, I remember one time I was with a lady in her house and she was impossible to deal with. And I literally just closed up my stuff, closed up my iPad, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I honestly just don't want to work with you as a customer, and I'm going to take off. I said, you can call in if you want to work with somebody else. And just walked out of her house. Wow. And I, I, I knew, and I knew, I knew that it was going to, I knew that it was probably going to be like a really low sun hour deal. I mean, like the roof was, yeah. it, like the house she was, was breaking up with you anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the house was already probably not going to qualify and anyway. And then she was just this impossible person yeah. to talk to. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. No, so, you should have the confidence you know. that you, you bring a solution to people. I remember when yeah. I was, the first time I was um, knocking in Virginia, mm -hmm. same thing. People are very sharp. They know what they want. Yeah. And it's cool because they'll kill you quick. Like they don't drag it out like they'll do sometimes in California. Yeah, one to the head. But I had a I had a, a goal one year where I was like, I'm just going to turn one person down a day. And I don't want that to sound like I was in any way disrespectful or rude or arrogant. But there mm -hmm. are certain people where I didn't think my personality was going to work. Yeah. And so if they if if they got to the point where they're like, listen, I'm not interested, it's totally fine. I'm out. Yeah, I'm not going to fight with it anymore. Um, but I think that's actually cool that you understand. Look, this is my special. I'm looking for early adopters. If you're in a neighborhood where not everybody has solar, you can target those people. Obviously, it works. You're doing 38 permits consecutively every single quarter. I'm also looking for people who are patient, who have time to just hang out with me. Mm -hmm. I just, because my, I guess, my efficiency is in, I don't like getting a lot of ACs and just throwing up on, on the board. I want to sit down and do the combination AC welcome call. So if I know initially in the first 15 minutes that you can kind of get in that with me, mm -hmm. uh, hey, we're going to hang out. I, this past week I did a three-hour uh, AC welcome call, two-hour one. I'm hanging out. I don't but get in Thursday and get out. And you're at 762, seven ACs, <laughs> six welcome calls, and yeah. two permits. So what I'm saying is I think you found a very efficient way to do it. Yeah. You know? Love the one with your wit is what I keep thinking. Just be patient in that person who wants to stay there and listen to what's really going on, especially as opposed to like trying to find as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so just that's try right. to, yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, hey man, I wanna thank you for coming in here today. I think uh, I, I've really appreciated your story. I like someone that came in from the outside that fixed themselves on a goal and that has shown the group, hey, maybe this is a different, this is opposite of the stigma and I'm a big fan of your success. So. I appreciate that. Thanks for hanging out with us today, man. Thanks Thank for being you. on the show. And It's been a, it's over the year threshold that I was thinking though. So it's been like two years. Let's see what like three, the third year holds. You're gonna get all anxiety ridden. Yeah, and like I'm Start excited. talking super fast yeah, and get all right. jittery. <laughs> we'll have to interview at that point exactly. too. Exactly, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. thanks for joining us. This has been yeah. another episode of Electric People. Appreciate it. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.